Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Excited about today's show uh, on location in San Francisco (laughs) with a founder. Well, he'll give his own uh, introduction, but the man, the legend and the resident artist as well. Uh, Paul Awuzu, and he's going to tell us everything about Freshly, but we're going to get to know Paul first. So we're super excited. We're in the studio. If you're listening to this, you might be able to view this as well. Uh, but we're going to get right into the show and, and get into meeting Paul. So, Paul, let's start off with uh, not you today, but you previously in your childhood <laughs> self. So why don't you just kind of set it off for us and let us know, you know, what were you like as a child and yeah, would you yeah. be friends with you today as a child? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I would. Um, so I was born in Ghana, um, West West Africa. Uh, both my parents are from there. Um, and I think my upbringing was quite conservative, right? Uh, so my, my, my father was, was a pastor. My mom ran a bakery. Huh. Um, so th- I guess the, the creative pieces of building things really started quite younger um so here's a story when when i was i think i remember maybe seven or so um around 6 a.m every morning we'll wake up and like go knock on people's doors and like pass out bibles right the last thing a person wants to hear when you wake up you know them from from their sleep is that the thing that i really enjoyed about that though is you know coming up with like the the rebuttals of like oh all right when i'm not here to talk to you about xyz but like just take this thing um so i can go home um so would I be friends with the younger me now? Absolutely. I think he was quite resilient uh, and fun to be around. Although I think as an adult, I've been uh, much more reserved and uh, a, bit, a bit quieter now. Wow. So yeah. if I'm hearing you correctly, your earliest entrepreneurial experience yes. was selling Bibles door to door. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Door to door Bible selling, um, except for Fridays, because, you know, my father is a seven dad rented pastor. So, you know, Sabbath was sort of like, you know, very much reserved and, you know, didn't do anything. But yeah, no, uh, Early mornings, uh, late evenings, you know, that's uh, that's what we did. Very cool. Yeah. My father is a man <laughs> of the cloth as well, so something else in common. And I'm let's stay here for a minute on your earliest experiences yeah. because uh, when we first got introduced, I was always struck by kind of your fluidity with technology, your yeah. conversant, yeah. and the ability to marry design with technology. So what are some of your earliest experiences with innovation and technology? Yeah, I think um, earliest innovations, you know, growing up in on the continent, every time you saw technology, you were very much sort of like taken aback by that, right? Like, whoa, what is, what is this thing? Uh, fast forward, you know, early sort of like adult life, moved to America. And my first job was actually at 7-Eleven, um, sort of like, you know, basically <laughs> uh, as, as a cashier. And, and one of the things that I was really very much interested in was people coming in and buying disposable cameras and then bringing the film back and trying to print them, uh, which I thought was, was quite interesting. I think that curiosity from, you know, childhood, um, in childhood all the way now um, has been sort of like that thing that you know I've uh, kept uh, with me um, for for quite quite a while. That's good to hear. Um, and so now let's bring it to present day. Yeah, current, uh, an exciting company that you're building, Absolutely. products that <laughs> you know many folks are going to be interested in. Correct. Uh, you know, potentially enjoying even over the holidays if they can get their hands on it, uh, and that's freshly. Yep. 
So talk to us about Freshly Brands and from where did this idea originate? Talk to us about the genesis because I think it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, I think when people think about building publicly, um, they think about it from a different sense, right? You know, Freshly as a brand started on on Twitter when we didn't even have a name or anything like that. Um, So here's the story. Um, I'm watching HBO's um, Insecure, which, you know, a lot of people watch. And after rewatching the run, so this is the height of the pandemic, right? My wife and I are pregnant. You know, I'm sitting home. Um, I'm interviewing a bunch. You know, we're catching up on shows. And on June 3rd, very specifically, I sent out this tweet saying, hey, I just had Prosecco with vodka, just like Issa did in the show. Um, and I just slated my wife's DM, uh, and I ordered 50 wings, and I don't know where I am in my house. And I, th- I guess for me, it was sort of like a random thought, right? But people thought it was funny, and... People were saying all kinds of things. So specifically, you know, the fact that it was taking them anywhere from five to seven minutes to make a cocktail. They don't want to wake up and feel groggy. And also in the head of the pandemic, people took their health very seriously, right? So they don't want to consume too much uh, too much calories. And so I thought, huh, I wonder what's in the market that solved this problem. And the only thing that I could sort of like really find were seltzers, right? which, you know, in a way is considered like beer. Um, so very, very low calories, so it fits that. But I was looking for handcrafted cocktails that one, you know, I can have in my home, shipped to me on a monthly basis, and I thought, I want to build this and scale it. So that's how the idea came came by. It was purely on Twitter. I did it on Twitter and then, you know, sort of like carried on from, from there. Wow. So watching Insecure. Yep. Got a little thirsty. Created sure a creative drink because they're stressed. <laughs> Glad you, uh, you know, recovered from your pregnancy yeah, as well, yeah. right? Uh, but all, all jokes aside, I mean, it's a cool story to think about you creating a company um, out of convenience Absolutely. that other people are probably going to not be able to live without. So I want to go back to something, though. Are you selling that one of the elements of Freshly is providing a low-calorie solution? Yeah, I think right now consumers aren't just looking for something that is highly Instagrammable, right? They're looking for something that they can put their own personal brands behind. I think if you look on your Instagram feed, your friends, family, or colleagues are really building this personal brands um, that whether they are known to be doing that or not, they still are. Right. And so I think people just aren't looking for that. They want something that they can put their personal brand behind. And so we thought, okay, we want to build a better for you handcrafted cocktail, not just a cocktail. Something that is very, very intentional in the way that we chose the ingredients, the way that we chose the naming of the SKUs. Uh, so that's what we decided to build. Um, it's a better for you handcrafted cocktail. What are some of those SKUs, by the way? What, give yeah, us a taste. yeah. Um, fun story. So you know, during the time of like ideation, we formulated. I believe it was 134 recipes. And we were like, okay, which one of these can we commercialize and bring to market? And we then decided on 12. I'll hold off on, on the rest. But the ones that we're launching with is Bay Lemonade. Bay Lemonade. Yes, yes, yes. Which is an ode to the South, um, specifically after my co-founder Ty's you know, upbringing. Um, you know, she grew up in Mississippi, you know, watched uncles and on, on the patio, you know, drinking bourbon and, and strawberry lemonade. So we thought, okay, let's marry that too. But let's make it more sophisticated. So we added bitters, lemongrass, a little bit of lavender, just to kind of like really, really elevate those flavors. And then the other skew, Gidem, um, you know, sort of like whenever you're back home, whether you're in Ghana or Nigeria, whenever you're like dressed up going out, you know, people would say like Gidem, right? So it's like, all right, you, you look good. Um, and so we took an ode from that. So we did, uh, you know, blueberry, 
agave nectar, um, also with a little bit of bitters and lemongrass as well to really elevate those flavors. Uh, the reason why we did this was if you went to your favorite social club or maybe a fancy rooftop bar, you're not there for a margarita or a Mai Tai, right? You want something more sophisticated. So we decided to bring that experience in a can for, for consumers. Nice. Also, shout out to Ty. So <laughs> what do casual drinkers get from Freshly that they can't get elsewhere? Because if you drink, you're going to drink. Yeah. But if you're yeah. casual, maybe you have a little bit more, as you said, sophistication in mind for your day or night of drinking. So what does a casual drinker get out of Freshly you really can't get elsewhere? Yeah, I, I think that the modern day you know, consumer is looking for convenience, but also something that they truly believe in as an incredible brand above all things, right? If you're going on a picnic, and you bought your favorite liquor uh, and maybe like juice. It's gonna take you a while to mix it with your friends at, at the park. Whereas you can just take a can of Freshly and just go. Um, same case if you know you have a happy hour uh, within your tech company, right? Um, you can basically have Freshly there for your employees, whether it's virtual or in person. And so we thought about these things on how do we want consumers to consume our, our, our cocktails, but also what are the things that they're looking for in that, right? Um, because we say, hey, we're better for you, uh, cocktail, but also very much of a social drink. If you're having three or four freshly at a party, nobody's going to look at you funny. Um, our ABV is very low, um, so it's just, you know, 6.6%. But also the ingredients that we sourced is very much, you know, like intentional in the way that we formulate our cocktail. So, you know, you're not going to wake up you know, feeling groggy, uh, and we say this internally, you know, it's it's also like risk-free DMs, uh, <laughs> so you're not going to be doing all that. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So uh, let's stay on this a little bit more, too. And by the way, go to the site, because Paul is being very, very sheepish about his design <laughs> skills. If you go on there, you'll be like, wow, where can I get this? I want to have three or four of them. Uh, speaking of multiple, let's talk traction. Yes, uh, yes, yes. You know, because a lot of people have these ideas. I think you had previously mentioned some of your market research showed mm -hmm. there's more than probably should be out there, yeah. you know, right now. Uh, but for Freshly, obviously, it's something that, that needs to stay. So what evidence did you have early on that you should probably keep going with this? Yeah. Um, so as we were doing research, looking at other brands on the market, um, we were looking at their traction and also how much they've raised just in general. The incredible thing, too, though, is that, you know, if you look at the market, there is the, the seltzers uh, and there's spirits. Within our vertical, you know, the category that we're in, it's the three-tier system, right? So it's really, really tough, you know, with regard to compliance and regulations and all that. We'll talk about that another day. We thought, okay, we want to basically not cower and run away from this, right? We wanted to really, really build it. But I think the, the most important thing here is, you know, again, shout out to Ama and Tai, is that, you know, working with, you know, two black women has really, really helped to shape the way that we build freshly, but also importantly, you know, the way that we approach things with our customers. Today, we talk to every single person that has ever um, pre-ordered Freshly because I want them to feel like their friend built this, right? And that's sort of like the, the brand that we want to continue to build and scale. Wow. That personal touch is super key. I think I was in a clubhouse room one time and people were talking about that, whether they talk to everybody who yep. sends them something. And yep. I mean, I'm obviously in the camp. You, <laughs> you should you should follow up with people. Also, again, shout out to Ahmed Tai. Speaking of, of networks and other folks who are a part of this, who in your professional or personal network yep. has helped you in a way that you thought was unexpected? Because oftentimes people are like, yeah, I'll buy this and that. But who showed up in a way you maybe weren't expecting? 
I'd say my wife. Uh, so in the in the early stages, I remember this very vividly. Right, we were sitting on the couch, and I say, "Honey, I want to I want to build this cocktail brand." And she goes, "Okay." Uh, I'm like, "Well, that's not what I wanted to hear." Um, but on the professional side, though, you know, a lot of people that I've met on on Twitter, uh, you know, Mark Gallo, Nate Rosen, Andrea Castillo, Chris Cantino, Jimmy Schmidt, all these people gave like incredible advice very early on, um, and the. The way that this happened was like again, you mentioned Clubhouse in the early stages. I would basically send them my pitch deck, and they would say, "Hey, Paul, you're too early, but have you thought about X, Y, Z?" And so basically, we're getting free advice. Thanks, guys, <laughs> <laughs> um, to basically scale this brand. And I think, you know, in a way, I've kept the relationship, followed up with these people on you know things that we're doing, and they've been very, very helpful. And of course, from the compliance and design and things of that sort of side, you know, my wife has been very much of an incredible partner in helping, you know, us sort of figure things out. Yeah. So talk yeah. about that more. That leads right into what I wanted to talk about yeah. next. You mentioned your wife a number of times, uh, your co-founders, uh, you have a little one as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so kind of can anticipate how you might respond to this, but, but please help us out here and give us some perspective on whether you mix or separate your business and your company from your personal and your family and your friends and all of that good stuff? Yeah, I think visibility and transparency are key to any entrepreneur, founder, whatever you know, call yourself, creative, all that, right? Um, the first thing that I ever remember mentioning to Ty when we met was like, hey, my wife and I are pregnant. Um, there may be times where I'm unavailable to get things done. And I remember her saying, I've never done this before. I'm like, guess what? Me either. Let's go figure this out. Right. Neither of us have been in, in the beverage industry before. Uh, our backgrounds are in tech. Ama comes very much from SaaS backgrounds. So do I. So does Ty. So does my wife. So does a bunch of my friends and connections. But the transparency here is to be able to reach out to people and say, I need help with this, right? To be able to lean in on people that can help you in multiple ways and not just stay in your corner. And I think that's very, very important, right? Um, you know, we all sit on Instagram and social media and we see what people are doing and we're like, wow, I want to do this. But I think for me, I, I get success from talking to people about their struggles, right? You know, from my mentors all the way to people in my connections, you know, they'll say that to you. It's like, Paul, don't ever ask, you know, how did you buy this house in Malibu? You say, okay. The day that you woke up and said, yeah, I don't want to get out of bed today. How did you get over that? That's what I want to know, right? The silent struggles. Anything else I don't really care about. Wow. Yeah. The, the silent struggles. And I'm sure you have uh, many, but fortunately you have a team. You have co-founders, like I said. <laughs> shout out to Ahmed Tai. Great yeah. folks. If you were, you know, kind of resetting or starting again, because you didn't mention this, but your background, yeah. very prolific in helping startups <laughs> grow and scale. That's your thing is, is scaling companies. Uh, but if you were going to build a co-founder from scratch yep. <laughs> you have a blank canvas blank slate you're coming in what's that one thing that you want to make sure gets sprinkled in that you would need on your team yeah while confidence is key what i've found to be really really great for us and myself and throughout my entire experience is you know working with people that aren't afraid to step in the dark and say all right let's get this done right Irregardless of the backgrounds. And I think most of the time people are looking for very polished co-founders, you know, somebody that's exited the business before or maybe have raised, you know, X amount of money and maybe it's on their 50th startup. I wasn't looking for that. I wanted somebody that I could very much relate to and say, we've never done this before. Right. So let's go do this together. 
Uh, and I think, you know, it's different, you know, different strokes for, for different people. Uh, I think for me, if I am to pick this again, whether it's in the next venture or not, it would be the same experience for people that say, I've never done this before, but I believe in this thing, so let's go forth and do it. And I think that's what I always look for. It's like that confidence uh, in people that I know, um, you know, I can, you know, go to war with and they're going to be, uh, you know, they'll have my six every single time. Awesome. Yep. And your team is is super strong. So no doubt about that. I think it's a good approach because I've yep. noticed all three of you really you listen really well. And I think it comes from that confident humility that you're speaking about right now. But eventually that's going to get you some resources, hopefully. Yep. Right. And so our next question is kind of geared toward the thereafter. <laughs> you get yes, those resources. Yes. I'll give you a story uh, of my own to kind of tee this up. There was since we have the sort of the uh, the man and cloth connection with our fathers, there was a religious figure. Um, in a house of faith um, one day and they were coming up on hard times and he was like, look, if we can get a million dollars, this is what I would do with the million dollars. He talked about all these great things that he would do to reinvigorate the community and the like and there just so happened to be somebody in the audience who was very much moved by that message and Mm -hmm. compelled to deliver the goods. And so he got that million dollars. And yep. so now we turn that question to you. Yeah. We don't know if somebody's listening who may <laughs> drop it in your lap, but it is, uh, you know, the end of 2021. Yeah. So, uh, but Paul, if you got a million dollars in funding right now, how would you spend that? And let me preface this by saying yeah. no strings attached, nobody you have to answer to. This is yeah. just a million in Paul's hands. Yeah. I think it'd be really geared toward uh, R&D and also really build in what I call the team of Navy SEALs. Uh, so every single person on the team has a very specific skill set, uh, and then you band together and just really, you know, um, get the company's goals and metrics done. A million dollars, though, I think will help quite a lot in you know, keeping freshly operational for at least, you know, the next 24 months or so. But I think the R&D piece is very much important is, you know, we are playing in the game with a lot of big boys, uh, and that requires a lot of cash flow. And I think, you know, profitability, while that is important, I think cash flow, being cash flow positive is also very important. And I think for me, it's like, all right, we have a million dollars today. What can we do to basically cut out our cash conversion cycle? So the moment we receive a purchase order from, you know, one of our customers to say, all right, let's go into production and make freshly for our customers, cut that down to a very, very specific amount of time uh, and be able to really launch more SKUs, right? We have 12 cocktails formulated. Uh, we're going to be able to have our customers, you know, taste and, and experience every single one of them. So I think that's that would be the focus. Man. Yeah. That is super fantastic. You spoke about profitability, cash flow, getting money in the yeah. door. <laughs> uh, so since you first started Freshly, what's the most profitable piece of advice that you've received? I mean, a lot of people give advice when you're yeah. asking for money and vice versa, I suppose. But what has been something that you put to use today even? Yeah. Uh, run lean um, at all times. You know, as mentioned, you know, we formulated quite a number of, of cocktails. We, we decided to just launch with two, right? Coming from our background, you know, me in tech, I'm in tech, Thai in tech also, we didn't want to bombard people with a bunch of, like, you know, flavors in the market. So you go into your favorite, you know, grocery store and there's, like, 50 freshly skews there. It's like, what the heck? You don't know which one to buy, right? We wanted to really focus on this, so we launched it with just two. Uh, and then as time progresses, we launch, you know, other ones. Um, so I think that's, that's the, the single best advice that I have is, you know, start small, right, and scale up. Um, so, you know, the whole thing is the bottoms-up approach. But also I'm in a place where it's like, don't sell. Yes, we're not there yet, but, you know, I've had somebody ask me, what's our exit strategy? I don't think we have one. If anything, it might be an IPO in the future, right? Crossing fingers, that happens. Mm-hmm. But being able to be a household name is... 
you know, building things that people love, building teams that people can look at and say, we want to model our corporate culture after this. Uh, I think those two, those things are very, very important. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned corporate culture. Yeah. Freshly, 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 it will be a household name. <laughs> and I can, I can feel the vibe from you yeah. right now. It's like this, you know, along with your co-founders, is yours. It's, you're all in on it. Yeah. Uh, and that's good. And we want you to be all Thank in. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but speaking about corporate culture, we know it's not all fun and games, especially for an, you know, an alcoholic beverage mm-hmm. company. So, mm-hmm. you know, give us some examples or some insights into how you keep it fun or the most fun that you've had as you've been building this company so far. Yeah, I think the most fun has been really the, the formulation piece, right? It, it all started in our kitchen, right? So we're just mixing things and, you know, I'm shipping them to Ama and Thai. My wife is trying it. My, my friends are trying it. And they're like, this is great. Eh, this is really, really trash. Let's not do this, do that. So I think that's been the fun piece of like, R&D, but very small scale R&D in, in the kitchen. And now as we continue to scale, you know, we might have a chemist on, on hand or maybe a couple of like mixologists. Maybe in the future we'll have our own distillery that we can make our own bitters and things of that sort. So I think that's where and things that I'm thinking of, like how do we scale this up in the future, right? Um, but also being very innovative in the way that, you know, we design the cocktails, the cans themselves, um, what goes on the can, um, if you look at a freshly can today, um, there's a bottom part that has a specific color. Um, that color represents what the color of the cocktail is, right? So there's these subtleties that we've put into designing, you know, our products that you know I think consumers are going to be uh, uh, very surprised by and, and they're going to uh, appreciate. Absolutely, yeah. the design is sexy. I don't know another way <laughs> to say it. Please yeah, go thanks, check it out. thanks. You know what? I'll say this: um, if if you're looking to design something great work with black women. Um, again, shout out to Ama and Thai. Hey. Uh, we go back and forth a lot in like what goes into design. Um, and those two women has been incredibly, incredibly amazing uh, in helping uh, bring this to life. Absolutely. Paul, you're a well-traveled man. I think that that's <laughs> safe to say. I mean, yes, we're in San Francisco now. Yeah. You're getting ready to move <laughs> to Atlanta. You know, yeah. up in Ghana. Who knows where else you've been in between. Um, so I'm curious to know your thoughts on this question and and we can take a beat for this one because this is honestly one of my favorites. There's a lot of overlap with entrepreneurs, artists, musicians. I mean, we're in the studio using a mic, (laughs) you know, uh, just as an example of a brief overlap, but there's a lot of creativity and the source of inspiration is sometimes similar. So if you were to pick an artist who sort of most inspires your work or who gets you in that zone when you're working, who puts you in your flow yeah. or whose flow most resembles yours, who yeah. would that be? I think it'd be the, the late uh, Virgil Abloh, um, you know, also from Ghana. Can you course. can you break that down for us? Because I'm not familiar <laughs> and maybe there's one other person who's not, so I don't feel embarrassed. Yeah, can yeah, you break yeah. That down yes. for uh, so Virgil um, is mostly known for uh, the brand Off-White, um, worked with incredible brands like McLaren, uh, Louis Vuitton, uh, and mostly known with work with Kanye West, right? Uh, you know, grew up in the same circles with Kanye. Did a lot of sort of like side projects, uh, you know, album covers for a lot of artists. Uh, and then sort of like now it became this, you know, creative genius um, for the entire uh, Louis Vuitton house of, of designs. Um, and then went on to do incredible collaborations with Nike uh, and other brands as well. You know, maybe I'm a bit biased here, uh, you know, because he's also Ghanaian, but also I really love the subtleties in the way that he designed things, right? It was in your face, but also if you look at, you know, his stitchings, uh, the way that he designed things, it was very, very subtle. It told a story. And I think... 
when it comes to building freshly, we want to do the exact same thing, right? To tell a story with a brand and not be too loud with it either. Uh, I think if you look at the space that we're in, everybody is running, you know, incredible ads on Instagram and all that, right? You know this, you know, we've barely done any of that because we truly want to learn from, you know, every single customer persona who's purchased freshly today and then figure out, okay, based on these, you know, personalities, how do we push ads to that? That makes sense uh, and not use quote unquote, you know, culturally influenced words that it's just a buzz, right? We want to be very authentic in the way that we speak to people. And I think that's what Virgil did with his designs is do things that's very authentic to him um, to speak to to people. And that's why people really love this product. That's great. And familiarity is coming back quite an inspiration for yeah, sure. Definitely. And that makes sense in, in just how far along your team has come in design. It, it makes sense it would come from a from a superstar that way. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the business model again, yeah. because, you know, I'm super positive, optimistic, course, just like you are. That's why we vibe so well. Not everybody <laughs> is. And sometimes, you know, criticism can be good. But yeah. how would you respond to somebody who doubts that strategy of cocktail in a can direct to consumer? I mean, yeah, we go to the store. I mean, you know, I uh, think I ordered Uber Eats. You know, sometimes yeah. there may be alcohol in it or not. There are other ways to get alcohol. Why direct to consumer and why cocktails in a can? as a model that works, do you yeah. have, you know, is it going to work? I, I mean, we, we saw about, you know, um, 89% month of month growth for direct to consumer brands across different verticals, whether it's shoes, home goods, uh, food and beverage, whatever during the pandemic, right? You couldn't leave. Therefore you order things online and they were delivered to you. Um, fast forward in 2021, there was a huge supply chain issue because, Brands saw an incredible growth, therefore they needed to up their production. And now most brands, unfortunately, have their products you know, stuck at you know, shipping yards and they're trying to get them. Our strategy, as mentioned before, is very much of the bottoms-up approach. Um, we want to go where our customers are, so direct-to-consumer, which is purely online. And at a later time, whether it's Q1, Q2, go the omnichannel route, so wholesale and retail. You know, we've spoken to incredible brands, you know, um, One Hotels, which is one of my favorite hotels, spoken to Soho House and a few others um, that I can't mention here today. And I think it's because they look at Freshly and say, huh, this fits the type of person that walks into our doors, right? If you are on a flight, you know, flying somewhere, air hostesses, you know, they're doing an incredible job keeping everybody safe in, in, in the air, but sometimes they'll bring you you know, liquor with, you know, juice on the side and you mix it yourself. When you do mix it, it's not very great. Um, we want to be able to cut out that time and say, hey, just give this to, you You know, your, your passengers and they're good to go. Um, same for the bars, um, because now outside is open and everybody's going out. Bars are packed. Um, sometimes it takes, you know, um, you know, patrons anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes to get a cocktail. You're um, so right. You know, if, if you're at a very, very popular place, we want Freshly to be, you know, the savior for them and say, all right, guess what? Put Freshly on your menu. Um, you can style it as you want. I mean, you've seen some of our ad sets on, on our Instagram and, and social media. You know, you can add garnish, um, all that. There's transparency there, right? It goes back into what I was saying, transparency and visibility. Guess what? This is an incredible cocktail. Yes, it's in a can. But you're not going to be, um, you're going to be very shocked uh, into, like, the, the taste profiles and the flavor notes and all that because it's not your typical cocktail. It isn't just, you know, a margarita or a Mai Tai or, you know, whatever. It's very, very meticulously sourced ingredients, very intentional flavor profiles and then the way that we we, we mixed it um so we can basically place you know freshly in, in different verticals and even the guy that's at home or the, you know the woman that's at home it's you know pick it up from the fridge 
drink it directly from the can. Or if you want, you can just simply pour it. And again, if you have, you know, a date coming over, just, you know, put garnish on it and pretend you made it. Nobody's <laughs> going to complain. <laughs> Nice, you're giving us some some life hacks. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> across the board. Uh, so, you mentioned the move a little bit earlier. Now let's zoom out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about ecosystems in yeah. general, startup ecosystems, and what I've learned in just moving around a little bit um, in the U.S. and in connecting with folks uh, in other countries as well is that every you know sort of market ecosystem uh, is similar but has its own idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Now you are leaving the Bay Area and. You're taking some weight with you. I mean, that's that, that it's going to be a, a huge move. So you're entering Atlanta. Talk to us about two things. One, what are you most excited about with the startup ecosystem yep. um, in Atlanta? And the thought that went into that particular choice, if it was based on the company, because we're curious here to know what people are doing in these different places and markets. We have people in, you know, 20, 30, 40 cities all Correct. over the world who are listening uh, to this, so talk to us a little bit about Atlanta startup ecosystem, especially for somebody coming from Silicon Valley, which is the hub. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I moved to America some two <laughs> decades ago, the Bay Area is the first place that I came. Right? I flew into SFO. You know, my father took me to Oakland. Shout out to Oakland. Um, hey. Learned a lot from 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 the town. Right? Fell in love with the town. Fell in love there. Had my heart broken there. Had my children in in, in the town. Uh, and it's great. And have had the incredible opportunity working for some incredible companies, um, you know, early stage, late stage, you know, some that have exited, some that are looking to IPO in, in the future. But I think what I carry with me to on this new journey to Atlanta is not just be the new guy in town, but also be able to collaborate with, you know, other creators and founders. Uh, but importantly, for the simple fact that I think we've seen incredible diversity in, in Atlanta, right? Um, you know, Stacey Abrams done an incredible job with, you know, voting rights and other, you know, um, thought leaders in, in, in the community too. And I think for Freshly, it's the perfect place to be when it comes to building a lifestyle brand um, from diversity perspective to that being a hub for, for black wealth uh, in America. And I think, you know, the education of uh, financial literacy and sovereignty, but also building a brand, I think that's a perfect place uh, to be able to plug freshly uh, in that. Makes a lot of yeah. sense. It's gravity. Yeah. It's pulling you in. Definitely. It's a force Definitely. you're going to add to it. Yeah. I think it's a great move for you. I know people are excited. You're closer you. to Thank your you. co-founders yep. as well. Closer to me, which yep. I'm excited yep. Yep. about. Yep. I can yep. scoot down there. <laughs> uh, this is cool. So now I want to, it's still learning time. Yeah, We're still, you, you still got us in class, man. Yeah. So we have noticed that pivots are you know, all but essential usually. It's not like, oh, let's plan our pivot. But typically that just happens along the way. I'm not saying that you have experienced this yet, but if you have, talk to us about a pivot that you think saved your career. There's something where you had a decision to make a choice, a move, a decision could have gone either way. You chose one and it made all that difference for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when when people are thinking about career choices, right, it's, oh, I want to work in tech uh, because I can climb up the ladder, which is great. But also I, I think about what kind of product do you want to support, right? You know, whether it's SaaS or software as a service, uh, within that, do you want to be in education tech? Do you want to be fintech, so financial products? Do you want to be in real estate tech? All that. There's all these different products, you know, serving specific verticals and markets. But I think for me, Early on, I was an SDR, so like sales development rep, so basically a phone pounder, right? Picking up the phone and calling people uh, at Yammer, uh, which they've still been, uh, since been acquired by, by Microsoft. And what I was doing was picking up the phone and calling people and saying, hey, by the way, 
you know, I saw you became a customer. If you do buy this product, you know, we have uh, an engagement team that will hold your hand through the entirety of this. And I thought, who, who the heck are these guys? Right. Why are we plugging what they do? And mind you, I was like finishing my MBA. So like I'll fetch the coffee, I'll sit in on calls. And I realized that there were consultants um, who were hired from, you know, places like Deloitte, et cetera, et cetera, to lead this engagement team. And I, I was like, all right, this is where I want to be. I want to be on this team you know, because the, the engagement people, which now people call customer success, is that they are essentially the farmers, right? So you buy a product, there's a person there that says, oh, this product that you bought is $10,000, but your company has 10,000 employees. So if we expand it across all board within your company, we're probably going to do a million dollars in annual recurring revenue for just that one customer. So how can we help? So it's, it's a bit of sort of like farming that customer, understanding their needs, distilling what they need from the customer perspective, right, with product and engineering, uh, working with finance. So customer success generally is sort of like a layer on top of every single department within the organization. And so for people that are looking to get in tech, right, it's like, all right, CS is like the thing that I always recommend because you get to do incredible work um, with customers and help them scale faster with, with your product. And I think that's the pivot that I made and I've been doing that since, what, like 2010? Uh, and it's been an incredible journey, really. Uh, having worked with, you know, really, really great companies and incredible, you know, customers, you know, Uber and Tesla and, and a few others that, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with the, the you know, C-suite executives um, in, in these companies. So, yeah, incredible work. That is super impressive. And I think it underscores just how important everything you do before you make this jump is. Yeah. Because you bring it. Like you said, your comp like CS, you know, customer success is central to the business. Not every startup says that or knows what that really means. True. So thank True. you for, for giving us insight there. Of course. The more we peel back these <laughs> onions and layers, man, the more my goodness, no wonder these these cocktails are so flavorful, man. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, I like the big picture, too, on the ecosystem, yep. but now I don't want to, you know, put any borders on it or anything. Just straight up, which communities have been most helpful in this journey? I mean, you have, you know, a huge uh, network of folks from your yep. previous life, you know, tech people. You can reach out to big names on Twitter and get responses. Of course, of course. Uh, you can go after folks, you know, who, like you said, C-suite, <laughs> they know you. Yep. But, you know, just from your perspective, which communities have been the most helpful uh, when the lights are off, the doors are closed, nobody's there. Which communities have been most helpful in growing your brand? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's you know, though we are, you know, three black people building a brand, um, early on we decided to also, like, really leverage our own community, right, uh, for feedback. I jokingly say this to people, and, 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 it, and it reigns true. I think, you know, black women drive a lot of growth for brands in this country, uh, from a culture perspective, from a consumer perspective, whether they're a mother, uh, whether they're a single woman, um, whether they're you know um, you know non-binary, you know indigenous women uh, of color, like these are the people driving like the not necessarily like the consumerization or like you know the capitalistic side of things, right? But like how you should build and think about your product um, to serve a specific uh, need in, in the way that you scale it. Uh, and so like when we're doing the research and we're doing sort of like the, you know, focus groups, these are the people that we focused on. I had my, you know, wife's friends in my house and asked them questions like, do you like this? And they're like, no, this is terrible, right? Like, why does it, you know, taste like an old fashioned? Um, there needs to be some flavor, right? I think it came from a very masculine place. You know, I love, you know, old fashioned. When I was building the flavor profiles, that's what 
the first sort of like iteration was really centered around. Uh, and we go, huh, let's just branch out and do something super unconventional uh, with flavors. So yeah, I think I think the community of, you know, one, black farmers, farmers of color, whom has been very disparaged, um, you know, within, you know, the last couple of decades, you know, we wanted to source ingredients from them, right, and tell their stories. So there's a social components piece to what Freshly is today also. Absolutely. Yeah. Love the farming component. Yeah. You know, I'm a houseplant collector, <laughs> but I've also, you know, much to my parents' chagrin, started ordering, you know, little mini trees to yeah. the house, uh, you know, for nuts and whatnot. But anyway, so I could get on that another time. But <laughs> that's a that's a really strong, that's a really strong example of how, you know, having a co-founder is helpful, also picking the right team or having the right team pick you. Absolutely. Because in this conversation, you have mentioned Amin Tai as kind of core to the decision making. I want to underscore that. Yeah, we have Paul in the booth, you yeah, know, with his, his swagger and yeah. with his smoothness <laughs> and his old fashioned, you know, yeah, swagger yeah. and all that. But uh, it, it's, it's multiple people in here. That being said, with the three of you together, plus whoever else you pick up along the way, I am going to bet that it gets big. Yeah. My question for you is, and I know this is super early, but it's one of our most popular questions. Yeah. You hit a billion dollars. Do you want to run a billion dollar freshly? Yeah. Why or why not? And if so, tell us why. If not, yeah. why not? And people get philosophical with it. Of course. Of course people of course. go straight to the, hey, I can buy X with it. You yeah. Know, so leave it to you. Yeah. Yes. Do we want to build a billion dollar brand? Absolutely. Um, and I think the, the the precursor to that too is is that you know we want to really expand this category of handcrafted cocktails, right? You go to next door, whether it's a you know corner store, grocery store, the first thing you're going to see when you walk in is you know a bunch of dirty consumer brands, and most of them are just like seltzers, right? There's wine in a can, there is this thing in a can, that in a can, and I think what I mean by expand this category is based on two things. Education in the sense of, oh, wow, this thing that I'm putting in my body, I know exactly where it came from, right? So that the supply chain journey of like, oh, this agave was, you know, sourced from a, an indigenous woman in Mexico. Um, this uh, hibiscus was, you know, sourced from the northern part of Ghana. This thing was sourced from here. We want to tell that story from that. But also, like, you know, why we built Freshly, why we chose those specific flavors and, and names, um, you know, because the naming of, of our cocktails is very unconventional, right? And I think that's a fun part too. Uh, and I think all that goes into building a billion dollar brand to be able to tell the story, not to just your shareholders, but also to the investors and everybody else um, that's involved in, in building the company. And I think that transparency and visibility thing is very, very much of a core value to Freshly today. Wow. Yeah. Super special. Uh, to say the least there. So, yes, you do want to run a billion-dollar company. <laughs> you still want to be involved. Absolutely, yeah. Good, because yep. uh, some people want to build it but not run it. So. No, no, I think the running it bit is, is very important to continuously remain true to us as a brand, right? Not just build it, take a step back and say, oh, you know, we're basically a corporate blue-chip brand now, whatever. Therefore, there's, you know, a new CEO, president, you know, they make all the decisions, right? I think we've all lost sleep, over Freshly at some point. Uh, and I want this to be very much the thing that we continue to build together with our friends and with you know advisors, whoever ends up on our cap table in the future. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds good. And 
it's good to know that you do want to run it and you're thinking about that day one because uh, some people do <laughs> i know a lot of people leave but a, a number of people do yeah. they, they make it and stay the course so we're coming up to sort of the last few questions. This last couple of questions thing are going to be a little fun, though. Yeah. So you've mentioned this several times, I guess, throughout in no uncertain terms. But what is the most valuable thing that Freshly does for its customers? We know you're, you're getting them a good vibe and a good feeling from the drink itself. Yeah. But what is the most valuable thing that you think you do for your customers? I think the feeling of community. We put out recipes and things that people can do at home for fun and not just, you know, say, eh, what if somebody goes and, and do this, you know, as a product? I don't care. We're not going anywhere. I think the reason why you've seen, you know, many competitors of other products on the market and those companies never survived was the people building it. And that never scares me. Like whenever I see, you know, other brands doing something similar, I'm like, cool. You know, do they have the people building this? That, that's where we come in, right? Um, I believe that myself and my co-founders can like tap dance around anybody in this market. And I'm very, very confident around that. So, you know, to your question, what do we give customers? It's just the feeling of, of community uh, and involving them in, in the things that we build. I think, you know, we've done a bunch of surveys. We've done a lot of, you know, study groups. Because um, I think it's important to involve involve them in, in, in every single decision that we make, specifically around building the product itself, right? We just don't want to build this magical unicorn for people that they don't care about. Um, so we take their advice, and, and that's I think that's what makes Freshly very special. I absolutely love that. And yeah. this topic has come up so much this year. I don't know why, but, you know, when I was coming through school, you know, if you have, you know, a little bit of the answers people want to cheat on, you look on your – and I was like, look, you can cheat. <laughs> like, it's all good. Right. You, you, don't, like, you don't need these answers. You need me. And yeah. I know that sounds super arrogant and cocky to say, but you kind of have to have that mentality because yeah. so many people – see your idea and they want to do it as well. And if you don't have enough confidence in yourself yep. to push through the mediocrity, you won't make it. So I'm so glad that you said that forcefully yeah. on here. You're very confident about that, <laughs> all three of you. And I have witnessed that myself. So yeah. it, it's, it's well supported. This next question is, how can we support you? Because uh, obviously, Diverse Tech yeah, founders, you know, we want to get your message out your way. We have this podcast. We'll push it to our community and continue to try to make introductions that are helpful to you. Yeah. Uh, but what can we do as a, you know, a company, but also the listeners right now? What can we yeah. do to support Freshly? Share Freshly with everybody, right? Buy it, you know, take it on your dates, all that fun stuff. But importantly, too... Don't ever hesitate to reach out to, to us. I think, you know, as mentioned, the learning that we have is the ability to tap into our customers and say, hey, have you guys thought about this? Or, like, this is a great idea, right? We welcome it all. Yes, we are the founders of building the platform and, and the company, but I think if it wasn't for our community and, and the customers that we work with, let's just pack our bags and go home, right? It's not for me. It's for the people that we want to serve. And I think the service of others, you know, right, going back into the way that I grew up is what I always carry the torch with to be able to do. Uh, I think, you know, so to your question, yeah, continue supporting us, you know, spread the word, tweet us, ask us questions. I think that's what makes us great. Wow. And write us a check. You know, write a check. If you're listening to this. <laughs> write a check. Yeah. Buy it. Yeah. Reach out give feedback, which is very expensive, by the way. That's one of the reasons we threw these app launch parties, yep. is because, which we'll get to in a second, is because feedback isn't, I mean, if you get 50 people in a room and try your product and you get a response from them, yeah. that's money. Absolutely. So, super good. Speaking of app launch parties, almost forgot, you haven't been to one yet, but since no. you're in Atlanta, maybe we will have one a little bit closer to you. It kind of started in our Harlem apartment, my mm -hmm. roommate, Wall Street artist, shout out to Robert Newman. Amazing. Uh, our aesthetic 
in the apartment because our living room doubled as a studio was great. And so uh, one of my, my friends uh, from college actually was, uh, you know, had just closed their series A round. Yeah. Right. And I was like, yeah, missed the opportunity to help you, you know, legally because, uh, you know, I'm a lawyer, but yeah. I can still just introduce you to people in Harlem who may not know this happened or they do. And right, right. he graciously <laughs> agreed uh, and came and it was awesome. Yeah. It wasn't exclusively black, but it was predominantly black to have that type of energy uh, in Harlem, you know, a room full of folks interested in tech who, you know, could invest, I guess, if they wanted to, but that's true, not true. what it was about was awesome. Anyway, yeah. I could obviously talk about that all day. So in our agenda, we had an introduction. Why are we here? We're here because less than 1% of startup capital goes to founders of color, black yes. people. That's what we always said at the beginning. Next, we would pull somebody random from the audience to talk from their perspective about it. To make it real for everybody. Right. We had an interfaith blessing of the app. And then wherever we hosted the party, we had that person speak about the space. So people knew where they were. So it was in the apartment. Eventually, I had one at my pastor's parsonage. So he talked about being on the same street as Madam C.J. Walker yeah. and Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Anyway, then the founder gives a speech. Mm-hmm. Four minutes. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet, not a pitch competition. You're True. not on your feet. You're right. not on your heels trying to defend assumptions <laughs> and, and get your gotchas. No, it's about mutual vulnerability because this is tough. And yeah. this, the people in this room want to help you. Then there's a and a session. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes there are, you know, VCs and angels and other founders there. Sometimes there are people who are plus ones who show up and you forget that they didn't know where they were coming because right. their questions are so good. This is a long tee up to say when you're at that app launch party, you raise your hand. Right. Somebody calls on you as the last question of the night for the founder. Right. What question are you asking? That's a good question. I think the question I'll probably ask is how do you scale this? Right. How do you want to scale this? And I think it's, it's a question that I always ask myself. It's like, all right, you build this, you know, product, whether it's a sponge or a sneaker, how do you want to do this, right? And I think that question really is an opportunity for people to dig deeper into a place of this is the help that I need, right? Uh, it's not necessarily like, what can I do to help? Uh, how can I support you? It's, you know, it's sort of like all hidden in there. Um, how do you want to scale this? It's the way that I'm like, okay, cool. I know somebody at Nostrum that, you know, could get you your first purchase order. I know somebody at GoPuff or this other brand or that brand that can get you your first order. Um, and I think it's sort of like, you know, the continuous help of people. I, you know, in, in, in Ghana, you know, there's this saying of like, you know, he who climbs a good tree, he gets pushed, right? So as you climb in, people are behind you, right, pushing you so you can get to the top. And I think I want to continue doing that. Um, so I think, you know, I drive that, that question from that place. Awesome. Yeah. And this is a good tree. Yeah, it brings us to the end. Well, we have one more question, kind of a bonus question, yeah, Paul, and then we'll leave you with the last <laughs> word. To, you can say whatever you like. Uh, this last bonus question is you mentioned earlier. Hey, reach out to you. What's the easiest way people want to do that? If you're listening to this podcast <laughs> right now, you yeah. love kind of Paul's smooth, velvety voice. Of you course, know, you love the idea <laughs> or you've taken a look at the Freshly brand and you believe us when we say these designs are epic and you want to reach out, either give feedback, uh, whatever the reason is, you know, order you obviously get you're going to hear from Paul if you yeah. order. But yeah. what's the easiest way to get in touch with you if folks want to keep this conversation going? Yeah, of course. You know, just a quick email to founders at Freshly.co. 
again, is founders at Freshly.co. Um, you know, I, I love having uh, visibility and transparency into every single email that we get. So I'm a guest to read it. Ty gets to read it. I get to read it. And the fun part is we read and reply to every single message. But you can also find me on um, on Beyonce's Instagram. Um, it's wyd.paul. Um, you know, so uh, pretty, pretty simple there. Uh, and it's the same uh, same tag for uh, for Twitter as well, uh, which I think I'm more active on Twitter than, than Instagram sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, Twitter, the conversation <laughs> is strong there. Yeah. Well, we have enjoyed having you, Paul. I mean, course, to have you in the course. studio, what a nice experience. Season two, episode three. Appreciate got it. Got Paul in the studio. First time had an in-person yes. uh, podcast before, so you're, you're really setting the tone there. <laughs> uh, but we've enjoyed you and the insights that you've given because to have somebody, you know, to spend as much time as you have here in the Bay, to be going to a hot billion dollar VC market like Atlanta, yep. this yep. is big. Yep. Uh, so we've enjoyed having you thank you sincerely thank you but we want you to have the last word as well paul so you know if there's anything you want to leave us with the floor is yours yeah anything i want to leave you with is do it now whatever product you build in you know whatever service that you're doing um involve people right ask for help you you can't do this alone yes you, you can do it alone in the sense of like you know sitting in your apartment and coming up with the idea but talk to your friends right stop a random person you know, in the park, you know, if you have a product, give it to them, have them try it, give you live feedback uh, and tell you like, hey, this is great. or this is really terrible. Uh, and then go forth and kill it. Simple as that. Love it. Don't give up, though. Don't give up. Keep Never. going. Yep. Build a strong team. Yeah. Help other people. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. like there are people pushing you to climb. Yeah. You know, you yeah. need to be pushing other people, too. Yeah. And and, and in the name of uh, Insecure for the black men listening to this, please talk to your therapist this week. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Paul. We've had a pleasure. And until next time, we bid you adieu. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Thanks again.